Father, this morning we just come to you in the name of Jesus. The name above every other name, Lord. We just sang, Lord, in your name. Yes, Lord, in that name we come. You said if we come together in your name, you will be in our midst. We know you are here, Lord. We know, Lord, you will teach us, Lord. Oh, Father, we just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. You are the teacher. And your anointing is the one that teaches us all things. And we pray for both, for the Spirit of God to teach us and the anointing to be upon every hearer, Lord. Now and at any point of time, they listen. Oh, Father, that we would hear what you have to say. We would receive what you have to say. We would believe what we have to say. We would stand on what you have said. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. <coughs> Amen. <coughs> Amen. Today we'll go back to the book of Judges. We did uh, Nehemiah, right? Last week? Yeah, last week was all Nehemiah. So this week, yesterday we had a pastor's conference, which was not live streamed. But uh, we go back to... We had looked last time, the week before last, at how God uses a left-handed man <coughs> with a right-hand problem to handle the giant-sized issue. He probably had his right hand withered. He was a left-handed man. And uh, all the people, almost everybody God has used in the Bible gives hope to the majority of the population who are ordinary. And for the others, you have to become ordinary before God can make you extraordinary. <clears throat> so here is Ehud, the left-handed man, the right hand is withered, and we know how it happens. He forges a dagger, a double-edged sword, small one, in secret. His heart is moved for the deliverance of Israel. I don't know whether he spoke about it to anybody. This is the time when you have to give tribute to the king who's ruling over the Moab, Eglon, that is self, picture of self, the flesh, big and huge, seated on his throne. They pay the tribute, they go back, and at Gilgal he stops, sends his companions, he goes back and tells the king, I have a message for you in secret. This king is sitting in his upper cool chamber, the doors are shut behind them. He takes his dagger, strapped to his right thigh, we looked at all that, okay, and then he stabs him, it goes all the way, even the hilt goes in, everything inside comes out. And that's what happens when the sword of the word goes in, everything inside comes out. And he escapes from the parapet and then he goes to Ephraim and blows the trumpet. Let's look at that portion because that's, that's not so important. But we'll still 23 to 30. After that, what happens? The Israel gathers around that man. Ehud went out through the porch and shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. When he had gone out, Eglon's servants came to look, and to their surprise, the doors of the upper room were locked. So they said, he's probably attending to his needs in the cool chamber. <laughs> okay. Now you need to realize, he had planned out. You need to have a plan. We already had planned out. Okay, he had a planned out. Okay, 
how he is going to do it, how he is going to escape. He had planned it all out. We need to have a plan. We need to have a vision. Okay, how God will. God is the one who brings out the deliverance. But we also need to plan things out. They thought he probably was still relieving himself. So they didn't want to disturb him. So they waited till they were embarrassed. Still he had not opened the doors of the upper room. Therefore, they took the key and opened them. And there was their master fallen dead on the floor. By the time Yehud had made good use of the time, he escaped while they delayed and passed beyond the stone images and escaped to Sierra. And it happened when he arrived that he blew the trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim. <clears throat> and the children of Israel went down with him from the mountains and he led them. Now he's become a leader. He led them. And then he said to them, Follow me, for the Lord has delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. You see, you cannot lead somebody until you have won your battles. Okay, so he has won. He was on his own, one-on-one. See, David had won one-on-one with the lion and the bear. And then he's ready to lead Israel when there is no champion. He has won his first major battle, one-on-one. And now he's ready to lead Israel. So they went down after him seized the forts of Jordan leading to Moab and did not allow anyone to cross over. And at that time they killed about 10,000 men of Moab. All stout men of valor, not a man escaped. You have to go, Jesus said, unless you bind the strong man. Okay, it's a legion, it's a strong man. Okay, there's a strong man. Unless you bind the strong man, you cannot overcome his house. But once you handle the strong man, then it does not matter. There may be 10,000 others men of valor, but you've already taken the king out. You've taken the king out. Okay, that's why God is talking about the devil has millions and billions probably of demons under him. But he says, very soon the God of peace shall crush Satan under your feet. And you can defeat the rest. You can defeat the rest. So you have to look at it. And Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel. The land had rest for 80 years. Okay, One man brought rest to the land for 80 years because he took his challenge. Okay, And he's not an extraordinary man. He's just an ordinary man. And this is the thing which we need to realize. Okay, God is just looking for ordinary people. God is just looking for ordinary people who can. And then we go to the verse for today, verse 31. Just one verse. After him, after whom? Ehud. Okay, so Ehud inspired somebody. Daniel inspired three young men to stand up. And they, if you look at it, will do an exploit which even Daniel is not included in. They will go into the fire. Literally thrown into the fire. Daniel was only thrown into the lion's den. But they went into the fire. Okay, so you have an Ehud who will inspire a Shamgar. Ehud's reputation lives 80 years of peace. 80 years of peace. And after him comes Shamgar, the son of Anath, <coughs> who killed 600 men of Philistines with an ox goad. And he also delivered. It's only one line. But one line in God's word is worth uh, um, 10,000 books on earth. One line. Okay? One line. <coughs> Single-handedly, <coughs> excuse me, he killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. Okay? Does not mean he killed them in one battle. Could be a series of battles. 
from that what we know, ox goat, what to use, we need to understand. He probably is a farmer. And it probably the battlefield was his farm. Okay? There is a principle the enemy uses to employ. It's found in First Samuel chapter 13, verses 19 to 22. 13 to 22. There was no blacksmith to be found throughout the, all the land of Israel. What do they take out first? They take out the blacksmiths. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. Okay? And the charge, and the Israelites would go down to the Philistines to sharpen each man's plowshare, his mattock, his axe, his sickle. Okay? And the charge of the sharpening was a pimp for the plowshare, the mattocks, the fox, the axes, and to set the points of the Gold. The gold is a long stick, okay, with a pointed metal thing to goad the oxen as they are plowing the field. So you have here. So you have Israel over here, and Israel has no weapons of warfare. Why? Because there are no blacksmiths in the land of Israel. What is the purpose of ministry from the pulpit is to make armed warriors fight spiritual battles. What does the Philistine do when he comes into the territory of God? He takes the pastors off. So they all become motivational speakers. That's what you see all around. All are motivational speakers. They are not arming people for war. That is why the struggle. Everything we need is given. But nobody knows how to fight. Why? The blacksmiths have been taken out. And people do not have sword or spear or javelin or anything. But there is a man with an ox goat. Okay? With an ox goat. So what does the devil do? The devil disarms. He disarms us. Because he knows our weapons are powerful. Our weapons are of our warfare, the Bible says, are not carnal. They are mighty in God. So what does, how does he disarm us today? By keeping us from the word. Okay? And keeping us from the prayer closet. Okay? Put on the full armor of God. All that. That's armor. And then he says two things. Above all. Above all. Take the shield of faith. Okay? To withstand the fiery darts of the enemy. That is defense. Use the shield of faith. Faith comes from hearing. And the sword of the spirit. That is offense. Above all. These two things. But what if you don't have the word? That's what the devil does. He disarms. He disarms. Okay? He disarms. And how does he disarms? By keeping us from two things. One from the word of God. The other is from prayer. And they both come together. The sword of the spirit, that is the word of God. Okay, the Philistines, what does he go after? He goes after blacksmiths. Pastors have many roles, but on the primary role, the preaching pastors is to prepare people for war. To sharpen their edges. To see what gifts God has given them so they know how to sharpen it and use it for the kingdom of God. And here is a man, there are no, okay, no weapons over there. And we need to realize the weapons of warfare are mighty in God. So even Ehud, when he brings the deliverance, he will say, the Lord has handed over. It is not Ehud has handed over. Okay, It is the Lord has handed over. But before we go into what <coughs> he does, Shamgar does, let us look at the state affairs of what is happening at that time. Because it will come in the, in the uh, song of Deborah. Judges chapter 5, verses 6, 7, and 8. Let's look at 6, 7, and 8. 
in the days of shamgar son of anath in the days of jael the highways were deserted and the travelers walked along the byways village life ceased it ceased in israel until i deborah arose and arose a mother in israel they chose new gods then there was war in the gates not a shield or spear was seen among 40000 in israel okay so we get the whole picture okay we'll go to word 6 you know word 6 if you can put three all three together it would be super okay in the days of shamgar okay we are looking at shamgar in the days of shamgar what happened the highways were deserted and the travelers walked along the byways okay and they chose new gods and there was war in the gates and there is neither a shield or a spear you can neither can defend nor can you fight even though there are 40000 in israels let's go to isaiah 35 and verse 8 we'll have to come back to these verses a highway shall be there and a road and it shall be called the highway of holiness the unclean shall not pass over it but it shall be for others who walks the road although although a fool shall not go astray so god put a highway that's his word that's the pathway to holiness and when we stop aside from that we will start going through the byways the highway is deserted in israel the way of holiness has been lost why because they chose new gods they left the god of israel and chose new gods they left the highway of holiness and picked byways and what ceased village life ceased if you go back over there you will say village life ceased what does it mean what does it mean home life ceased there's no home life actually if you look around anywhere probably into even our own house there's no home life there's no home life there's no life in the home and that's what happens when we step away from god's ordained path the first strike is at the home first strike see we everybody talks about we have all these questions about women in ministry and they will caught and everybody wants to get into ministry but when deborah talks about herself she does not talk about us as a prophetess she says i the mother rose is the mother who rises which brings restoration because if the home is not restored it doesn't matter what the nation is what the country is it makes no difference it is the home it is the home and where does it go wrong when you go out of the paths of god the paths of god you left the path of god and what happened life as it was meant to be ceased life as meant to be ceased why because home life ceased god is not honestly let us be very 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 clear about it in our homes in india christian homes or any home what is worship is education i'm not saying education is secondary i'm saying we don't worship education we had no uh, sunday service can you see anything okay we preached everything people were all blessed i had all these messages from around the world everything and pastors yesterday also everything but after service we come for dinner or lunch at gss and i asked one young man i know you don't listen what did you understand from sunday's message mm-hmm. education is not important 
I said, when did I say that? I didn't say that. I said, even if you are not good in English or math or physics or chemistry, if you have faith, instead of put it all the time, said education is not important. I don't have to study. <laughs> what is that you hear? You hear with what is in your heart. <laughs> okay. Okay. But we come over here. We are not saying education is not important. But at the end of it all, what is it all for? What is it all for? Okay. The God of Israel is a God, is a very homely God. He's a family man. He's a family man. He loves the home. Ultimately, we are all going home. Heaven is home. Okay. And God, Jesus went to prepare a home for us, but there are many rooms. There is, he went to prepare a home. And the, and the Bible says in Revelation 21, the father is going to come and dwell with his children. And he will wipe every, he's not giving us tuitions in physics and chemistry over there. Education is important, but it is not at the cost of the home. And when we step out of God's ways and we choose new gods like Saraswati and Lakshmi and all, we choose new gods. And we don't call them by that name, but we actually worship them. We worship, we don't call them by that name, but we give Jesus, I mean, Saraswati we made, um, Lakshmi we're into Jehovah Jireh, that's all. That's all. No? No? So we love singing that song. But we also pervert the image of God, okay? And what happens is life will cease as it meant to be. No, they chose new gods. War is at the gates. What does the Bible says? War is at the gates. There was war in the gates. But what does Psalm 127 says? Your children shall contend with the enemy. But does any of our children know how to pray? Do they know how to fight the spiritual battles? No, they don't know. Why? Because we change the subject at home, not at school. School should do what school should do. And home should do what home should do. We change the subject at home. We change the subject at home. We change the gods at home. See, gods are not chosen in the world. Gods are chosen at home. We change the gods at home. That is where a mother arises. Deborah arises. And this is the state of affairs during Shamgars. So if any person, any nation has to come back God's way. God has to be, like we talk about in America, people fight about prayer taken out away from schools. No, it was taken out of homes first. It was taken out of homes first. And in that time and period, one farmer has to be, because he uses an ox goad. One farmer stood up. What did he stand up? To protect his stuff. We don't know how big his farm is, but he's got a farm. And he's got a home in the farm. And the Philistines and the Moabites and all come. You work hard and they come. Okay? We pay through our nose and educate our children and the devil takes them. And we boast about them. Princeton and Harvard and all. But where are they? Are they in church? Do they love God? Do they worship God? Do they serve God? No. But who paid for it? We did. Okay? And there is this man. He's fighting for his stuff. He has no sword, he has no spear, he has no javelin, he has no shield. All he has 
is an ox god. Okay. We sometimes keep forgetting fundamental principles of God's kingdom. First Samuel 14.6 and First Samuel 17.47. And Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of this uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or few or one. Or one. If you are in the right battle, Numbers don't matter. If you're fighting for your home, even if you're only one person, God will be with you. My husband doesn't believe. My wife doesn't believe. My children don't. It doesn't matter. All you need is one person. If the battle is right. The battle is right. If the battle is right, all you need is one. That's a principle. God created this entire family of believers from one man who chose to leave his household. One man. Entire salvation was worked on the cross by one man. The purpose has to be right. Purpose has to be right. So numbers don't matter. So don't ever discuss, oh, I am the only one in my family. But that's enough. You're the only one. But are you fighting for the right cause? Are you fighting for things in which God is interested in? Then one man is enough. Second thing, First Samuel 17 and verse 47. In all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not say with the sword and the spear, for the battle is the Lord and he will give you into it. Not that he does not. He does not need it. He can or he may not. Oh, I don't have a sword or a spear. But do you have God? What do you have? I have an ox God. God says that's enough. That's enough. Hmm? Men of faith in all ages. Time, race, language, color, separated by all these things, but they were all united by one thing. They all spoke the language of faith. They trusted God, and they trust God, and they take a stand. First, they take a stand where they are. Second, they take a stand with what they have. Third, with what they have, they do all they can. And that's all God asks. Doesn't demand anything more. And even to that person, whether it's a single mother or an orphan, God will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's all God asks. That's all Shamgar had. All he had was an ox god. All he had was a home and a farm. And the Philistines were coming. And he decided, you know what? Even if I am the last man standing, I will be the last man standing. This is a battle worth fighting for. Like I said, it must have been in his field. No. After some time, the enemy, 600 gone, the enemy decided, you know what, leave his field alone. Leave his field alone. No. Leave his field alone. Leave his street alone. Leave his gully alone. Leave his lane alone. You know, don't go around that place because this man, this woman fights. He will fight. Leave it alone. Go to the other side where they don't fight. The Bible says Paul plants. Apollos waters. God gives the increase. So you must remember, the field is the Lord's. So is the harvest. Field is the Lord's. So is the harvest. No, We say, we put that plaque over our houses, no? 
Jesus is the head of this house. The house is yours. But the home is his. The house is yours. The home is his. The children you bore unto me. Children are his. The field is his. And the harvest is also his. And God is zealous for what is his. The question is, he is asking is, are you zealous for what is mine? And it doesn't matter how big the farm is, how big the field is. In the same portion for Samuel 14, 14. When one man stood up, the first lot of it, Jonathan and Amabir was around 20 men with about half an acre of a land. Half an acre. You take half an acre and take an entire country of 50,000 square miles. What is half an acre? Nothing. But because this man stood and took one half an acre, it started a movement which drove the Philistines from the rest of the land. Half an acre. When one man or a one woman stand up and says, not on my watch, my home, you know what? God starts moving, shaking up other homes. That's how it begins. God always looks for one man. That's what he says. I look for one man, one woman who will fight for the real cause. We fast and pray for promotion and education and all those things are important. But connected with the kingdom of God, they are not so important. God is fighting for souls. We are fighting for other things. We are talking about within the church. Within the body of Christ. And sometimes our prayers are no different from the prayers of the Gentiles. He said, pagans run after these things. Run after these things. You seek the kingdom of God first. And his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. He says, you put me first. And you teach your children to put me first. Nobody will be able to withstand your children all the days of your life. He says, if you have doubt, ask Daniel and his three friends. All they did was put me first. It's not they didn't work hard. They did. But that was not what that made them super brains. It was that they put God first. They put God first. Half an acre. It's half an acre. Okay. Because the devil is a thief. He will come for anything. Anything that belongs to God. Anything that God's got has God's name on it. So the first thing is that stand in your field. Stand where you are. Right? I wrote it. Wherever you are. Home, office, school, university. It does not matter. Where you are. Daniel stood in a royal mess, a university mess. Joseph stood as a slave in a rich man's house. Doesn't matter where you are. Stand where you are. Stand where you are. You have to stand where you are. And don't, don't struggle. Okay? I wrote this. Most people cannot handle stress. They either retreat or throw in the towel. Whether it is your home, office, or anywhere. The problem is not stress. The purpose of stress is to reveal who you are. That's all stress does. Okay. The only thing stress reveals is who you are. Your whole you are. The crown does not come in easy. Okay. The crown doesn't come in easy. The kingdom doesn't come in easy. 
The question is, your struggle will only show you, are you whether fit for the crown or not. And if you are not fit for the crown, the crown is bigger than any individual. You will sit before oh, Winfrey, what is that now? Ofra Winfrey and weep like uh, Meghan Merkel. Because you know what? It just showed you, you are not fit for the crown. That's all it shows you. But that's a different caliber. It's a different caliber. Can you handle the stress? The family you moved into, that lady has handled it for 92 years, the stress. Because at the age of 21, she made a vow to her country, I will never let you down. All her children have let the nation down, but she hasn't let her the nation down. You know what? She had caliber. Okay. So stress only shows who we are. And the problem is not stress. Okay. One man under the stress stood up and he said, you know what? Not under my watch. But how will, what will you fight with? Whatever is in my hand. He stood his ground. And we have to stand our ground. Stand our ground. Right? Stand our ground. That is how God will brought a great victory through Gideon 300 also. All they had was an empty pitcher, a light, and a trumpet. And you know what? The Bible says they all stood their ground. They didn't buckle, they didn't move. They stood their ground. The others have all gone. Only 300 are left. And why is it so important they stood their ground? Because so far nobody sees them. But in a second, at the signal, the pitcher will be broken, the trumpet will be blown, and they will be visible, and they have nothing to fight with. And they are only standing on a promise of God. The battle belongs to me. And they stood their ground. Okay? And that's what faith does. It stands. It doesn't buckle. It stands. And use what you have. Most people within the body of Christ are so unsuccessful because they are always looking at what they do not have and never sees at what they have. And what they have is enough. God never asks anybody what you do not have anywhere in the Bible. He asks us, starting with Moses, he starts, what is in your hand? The first big deliverer is Moses. What do you have in your hand? Exodus 4.2. Uh, sorry, uh, is it 4-2? Yeah, 4-2. What is in your hand? He says, a rod. A staff. And God said, that's enough. What's in your hand? And we ask ourselves, what is in our hand? No. Through the Bible, you look, what is in your hand? What is in your hand? What did Rahab have? Just a purple scarlet rope. And she let down it and let the two spies. And they looked up and said, you know what? When we come back, this rope will save your life. That's all she had. Just a rope. She delivered her household with a rope. Because that's all she had. What did the widow in summary have? A little flour and a little oil. That's all she had. But with that she saved her household. You know? And we look at all the people in the Bible. Everybody in the Bible. What did they have? What did the little boy have? Five loaves and two fish. But in the hands of God it became a banquet for thousands of people. Okay. And that's what God is talking about. What did Dorcas have? A needle and a thread. It brought her back to life. Because when she died, they called the apostle and said, look at all the clothes she made for the saints. He said, Tabitha, get up. Keep stitching. Keep stitching. What is that we have that we don't use? 
All Shamgar had was an oak's gourd. All he had. Now we sing that song. No? Give God what you have. Two hands, one heart. This guy had just an oak's gourd. You know what the Bible says? He too delivered Israel. Okay. The Bible never says he judged Israel. So we do not know whether he was one of 13 judges are there. He's also included. But we really do not know whether he judged or not. We only says he delivered. See, it does not matter we judge others or not. Can we deliver somebody? Can we deliver somebody? Paul and Silas, my favorite episode in the book of Acts, beaten black and blue, thrown into prison, probably hands in chains, legs in stocks. All they have is breath. And the word of God says, all that have breath, let them praise the Lord. They sang. That's all they could do. That's all they had. And the Bible also says God enthrones himself in the praises of his people. And before you know, all the captives are delivered. And the jailer and his family is delivered from the power of sin. You know why? Because all they had was that. If only people did what they did, what they have, to praise God and to pray. I still remember, and I have told it many times, but I still remember in that UN refugee camp where I went to preach. Thousands of people stuck there for years and years. They were thrown out from one country, living in a third country, had gone through a second country. They were not allowed to go back to their motherland. They were not allowed to work in the place where they had refuge. And they were not allowed to come into India. So they were stuck. And all they got from the UN was few kilos of rice, some potatoes, some chili, some salt. And they had lived on that for 12 years. 10 years. So many years. I went in the year 2004. And they were driven out in the year 1989, 90. So when I reached 15 years had passed by and they were in the camp. When they had become refugees, they were all non-Christians. But when they became refugees, a huge chunk of them became Christians because the gospel will be received only by people when they are in trouble. Till then, nobody wants the gospel. So I was preaching and then, I don't know what I preached that day. They asked, yeah, I was preaching on Elijah's widow. And a note came to me at the end of the meeting for Q&A time. Somebody said, we have nothing to give. What do we give? We have no money. We have no education. We are not allowed to work here. We are not allowed to go back to our lands which we lost. We are not allowed to go to India. We can do nothing. We are allowed, not even allowed to work. What can we do? I never had a question like that in all the years of my ministry. I had sent a, a lightning prayer to Lord help me. You know, these are the most things. And then he gave me the reply and I told them, you know what, everywhere I go, everywhere you go, there's one thing people say, I don't have time. Very busy people. Everybody is very busy. I don't have time. Why didn't you read your Bible today? I didn't have time. Why didn't you pray today? Because I didn't have time. I said, you have one thing which the rest of the world does not have. Plenty of time. Why don't you pray? Start a prayer movement in this UN refugee camp. Gather every day. Pray. Get together, pray. Pray for nations. The nation that threw you out. The nation that allowed you passage. And the nation that took you in. And all the nations you pray. Today if you go there, the camps are closed. They are all resettled all around the world. In US, in Sweden, in Norway, in Australia. And you know what? Most of them are Christians. And they all have churches around the world. 
When you say I don't have anything, you're pointing a finger at God by saying you created me without anything. And God says it's not true. It is not true. You're always looking at what you do not have. You do not look at what I have given you. What I have given you. You know? And that's what God is asking us here today. You know? What did I give you? He said he had an ox goat. And what did he do with that? He killed 600 Philistines. He did all that he could do with an ox goat. You know? We don't know that. Like I said, do not the details of the battle. Right? I'm sure Shamgar inspired what would you call the the mighty men of David. Right? One man. One ox goat. One ox goat. No? Turn, what God can do, turn to Genesis 32 and verse 10. I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff and now I have become two companies. What is, uh, what is Jacob saying? Jacob saying is saying, no, when I left, all I had was this. Just one staff. All I had was the stick. Through that wilderness journey, I warded all the wild beasts with this staff, reached my future father-in-law's house safely. Now I am back. But when I started, I had only this stick. That was what kept me alive. Today, I have become two companies. Okay. And if you turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 21, the Bible says, you know, where did this man start with what he had? And what does the Bible say? By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. I don't think the staff changed. Why? Because God says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. Do not despise. Do not despise. One thing God has given, everybody, God has given one thing. And don't despise it. Don't despise it. You don't need two things. If you have two things, you're awesome. You're blessed. One thing. One thing. And God says, will you use it for me? You can destroy. If you use them, 600 Philistines, they're gone. Right? So the first thing we need to do is take a stand. Second thing, what is that you have? Use it. You have to take a stand first. No, other it doesn't matter what you have. You may have 500 souls, 600 soldiers all around you. You don't take a stand. You'll be like Saul. Siege. Okay, so it doesn't matter what you have. First, you have to take a stand. You know what? Like Jonathan, God can rescue with few or many. You know what? I'm not going to sit like this. I'm going to step out in faith. I want to step out. You have to make a stand. Second thing, use what you have. Use what you have. Okay, a lot of people don't prosper. You know why? Because they're waiting for the big breakthrough before they will tithe. When I have my first hundred thousand, that is the day when I'm going to give God a big offering. God says, when you haven't given, when you had hundred rupees, start with ten rupees. God is not looking at the size of your offering. Jesus only mentioned one woman's offering, which was two mites. He didn't mention any of the big offerings, two mites. Okay. People do not do things with what they have. With what they have. No, with what they have. Think about it. With what they have. Mark 9 and verse 41. 
Got it? Who gives you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ? Assuredly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. One cup. One cup. Don't start a feeding program. Feed one saint who is hungry. One saint. You definitely can. You know somebody who is hungry. One child of God who is hungry. One house that is struggling. You know one. And that's enough. Put away a little and say, you know what? This is for you. Start one. And everybody has that with them. And they don't use it. They don't use it. You look at any of the great preachers in the world, past or the, they all started with one or two people. And they were faithful with that. They're faithful with that. No. Faithful with that. Everybody is looking for something big to come. No, it is that small thing. Will you be faithful with that small little thing is God is talking about? It's one man, one line, only about him. But he too delivered Israel. To deliver Israel. And that's what God is talking about. Look around, he says. There is so much you can do with that little you have. No? A cup of water? Cup of water. Think about it. To drink in my name. That's where it may just start of your ministry. David had only a sling. Joel had only a hammer and a tent peg. All Deborah had was a heart of a mother. The little boy had only five loaves and two fish. But all these things in the hands of a mighty God. Mighty God. Think, think, okay? Think this day. Everybody who is listening, think. What is that I can do? What is that I can give? What is that I have? No. Fourth thing, stand. Even if you have to stand alone. There's nobody to stand with you. All the others you will see, they had a lot of people. Who followed them. Othniel had an army. Ehud had the men who followed him. Shamgar, nothing is mentioned. He stood alone. He, he was not an inspiring figure. Which farmer with an ox goat is an inspiring figure? No, he's not. A dagger and a sword is still inspiring. So he stood alone. But one thing the Philistines know, that is a no-go zone. Don't go near his field. You can't get his harvest. You won't get it. You can't kidnap his children and sell them of slavery. It is not possible. That oh, is he armed warrior? No, he's a fa- what farmer? Yeah. What does he have? An ox coat? Shall we go? Don't go. Already six hundred are dead. Don't go there. Okay. Don't go there. His reputation now precedes him, right? In Second Samuel chapter twenty-three, you can stand alone. Verses eight to twelve. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Josebeth, the Takmanite, chief among the captains. They were not chief. They became chief. He was called Adino the Ezraite because he had killed 800 men at one time. Hmm? 800 men at one time. What happened to the others? They weren't there. So he said, okay, the battle is mine. I will do it. And then the next one. After him was Elias, the son of Dodo, the Ahoyt. 
one of the three three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle, and the men of Israel had re- retreated. See, the problem is in the busyness of battle, Eliezer did not know others had gone. When he looked around, he saw everybody is gone. He said, well, I am not retreating. <laughs> I, I still remember a vivid football game where I watched. The goal was scored by the goalkeeper. He was so frustrated with the rest of the players, he took the ball and took off and scored the goal and came back and stood there. Because all he could see is the forwards and the defense and halfback and quarterback, whatever names, everybody is retreating. He got the chance, the ball. He took off with the ball, scored and came back and stood there as back as usual. Right? That is Eliezer. Okay, he stood there alone. He arose. He didn't retreat. The Bible says he arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword, cleaved to the sword. And the Bible says the Lord brought about a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to plunder. Okay, these are, I believe these people were all remembered Shamgar. Eliezer must have suddenly, Holy Spirit must have told him, remember Shamgar, your great-great-grandfather? You are an ox god, you have a sword, stand. Everybody has written, he said, you also stood alone. 600. You have only 300 here. Half. It's not a big number. No, that's why we need the stories of these mighty men to inspire us. We are not fighting flesh and blood. We are fighting powers of darkness. And the weapons of, of our warfare are mighty in Christ Jesus. God says, submit to God and resist the devil. He shall flee before you. Flee before you. We shouldn't be fleeing before the devil. The devil should be fleeing before us. This is what the Bible says. Right? If you turn with me to... Yeah, and after that, verse 11 and 12. After him was Shammah, the son of Agi the Harat. The Philistines had gathered together in a troop where there was a good piece of ground full of... See, the Philistines will come for melons or lentils. Anything is your harvest. The devil will come to steal. The devil knows scripture unlike us. He knows your harvest will be used for God's kingdom. He knows your talent will be used for God's kingdom. So you know what? He will come for it. So it doesn't matter what you are farming. This is only lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines. But he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Okay, Stand in your field. Fight for your harvest. That's why God came and looked at uh, Gideon and said, mighty warrior. Everybody had given up their harvest. This fellow took the harvest and hid himself in the vine press and he is threshing it. He said, you know what? I can't fight you, but I will hide it from you. And God said, okay, at least some fellow, like we say in Malayalam, in the land of, in the, in the kingdom where people don't have a nose, the fellow with half a nose is king. In the land where nobody has faith, Gideon has only little faith and God says, you are the mighty warrior. Through you deliverance will come. Go in the strength which you have. What is the strength that you have? Hiding and threshing. Not given away. Given up. Not given up. There are a lot of places where you cannot pray, you cannot preach, anything. But there are people hiding and praying. God says, you are the deliverer. You haven't given up praying. You have given up praying. Okay, you have been told in your school, you cannot pray. But I can still pray in my mind. No headmaster, no principal can stop me. I will still pray. 
will still pray. There are children in India. Compulsory certain rituals have to be done in schools. What do you do? We tell them, pray in tongues and do it. Nobody can stop you. Pray in tongues. You pray in tongues. Because sometimes you cannot talk to the parents. Parents compromise. So you have to talk to the children. Pray in tongues. You pray. Are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yes, uncle. You have prayed in tongues? Pray in tongues. Stand there in the middle of the unbelieving generation and you pray in tongues. You pray in the Spirit. God will honor you. You will be the deliverer of your family. That's what God is talking about. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 8. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. They have no strength. What is strength in a church? Money, numbers, reputation. They have no money. They have no numbers. Sometimes I wish for all the people around the world, the camera is turned around and they show our church. They would be shocked. This is a church? This is all you have? And why I handle accounts? Nobody knows accounts. Because if you look from the, almost from the beginning of the church till this month, the accounts never tally for the expenses. And I have to believe every month it will be met. And every month it has been met. Never will I agree. Never will I agree. It will only agree for the chartered accountant. <laughs> it will never agree for the expenses. Never. You will never agree for the expenses. You, know, you have to believe. You have to believe. The church had no strength. No name. No numbers. No power. No money. But you know God says, you know what? But though you had hardly any strength, you kept my word. So whatever strength you had, you said, you know what, that I will take a stand in the word of God. And I will not deny your name. God said, you know what? I will keep an open door for you. Which no man can shut. Google can't shut. Right? YouTube can't shut. Zuckerberg can't shut. Mercy can't shut. None of them can shut. Before YouTube came, before we went to YouTube, we had 15,000 subscribers on podcast. Yeah. We are not, we are not bothered about what they do. The word of God will go. Word of God go. Only thing we want to know is that Lord that you are with us. You are with us. You know? Because sometimes when people say, we want to come to your church, I said, if you come to my church, you may be very surprised when you see the crowd. Half of them I have to keep on waking them during the sermon. You will be very, very surprised. (laughs) And some characters at the end of the message, what did you understand? Education, you don't have to study. (laughs) So don't look at any of these things. Don't look at any of these things. Take your stand. Take your stand. Use what you have and give it your all. Give it your all. That's all God is asking. Whatever your profession is, you may be just what we say in India, housewife. It's a very esteemed profession in God's eyes. It's a very esteemed profession. In If you ask me what is the Holy Spirit, he's a housewife. That's what the Holy Spirit is. He's a housewife. 
So a housewife. He takes care of the home. He never leaves you. I mean, if you ask any child, who is the one who never leaves you? He will say, mommy. That is the Holy Spirit. Mommy never leaves you. He will be always there with you. When you are happy, when you are hurt, mommy is there. That is the Holy Spirit. It's exalted position. That's all you may be. But you know what? Some of the greatest and the mighty... I, I heard about a pastor who said, my mother had nothing to give. All she gave was the edge of her bed. And he said, if you saw the edge of the bed, rest of the bed and the edge of the bed, it was crumbled in and was soaked in her tears. And all she prayed was that, my God, if my son ever goes out of track, bring him back. That's all she prayed all her life. And this is the result. This is who I am. All she had was that to give. Nothing else. Okay. And sometimes we do not realize we have what God wants. But we are always looking into the world and says, I wish I had that. I wish I had that. God said, for what? For what? No. All Shamgar had was an ox goat. No. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. Sorry, ten, ten, nine, not twelve, ten, nine. Second Corinthians ten. It was ten nine. I knew. Any second? It was twelve nine. See, I got it all mixed up. I am Pastor Vijay. Now you know why I left math at class twelve, right? <laughs> okay, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Okay. Weakness. Okay. And if you look at 600 Philistine soldiers and your oaks goat, that is your weakness. That's the last thing you want to do. But that's the first thing he did. He said, you know what? If this is all God has given me, that means God thought this is enough. Enough. Though I dream, always used to dream about singing. But he didn't give it. I tried my best to learn a musical instrument. It never. All the ones who promised me to teach, they all became pastors. But I never, they became pastors. Because this was, this was always the deal with me. You teach me music, I will teach you the word. I taught them the word, I never learned music. Okay, and they all became pastors. It never worked. Okay. So, one thing, that is enough. Okay. Second Chronicles 69, before we go to pray. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to You know one thing about Shamgar? His heart was loyal. His heart was loyal to God. Okay. His heart was loyal to God. And he stood there. And God stood with him. We are not talking about these men of faith. We are talking about their faith. And that how God vindicated their stand. God stood with them. You know what we need? We need Shamgars in every village and town. Who will take a stand. Simple men and women who will just take a stand in their own homes and he will say, not on my watch. Not on my watch. And if the enemy has taken your children already, then you need to go like David and say, you know what, I am going and taking it back from the enemy's mouth. I am going back. That is David. David couldn't stop. 
He had already taken. You know what he said? Oh, leave it. What's the point? He went after it. He went after the lion and caught the lion by the beard. By the beard. Hit him and took the lamb and brought him back. Okay. So whatever your status, if your children are safe, stand there and say, it's not on my watch. Until the day I die, I have one task. I will see. I, my life is set apart to see they are safe in God's hands. And if they have gone, you know what I am going to do? I am going to go after the lion. I am not going to be complacent about this. I know who I am. I have the spirit of Deborah on me. I am Deborah. I will rise as a mother. And I am going after my children. I am going after and I am going to get them back. That is the main focus of my life. It is nothing else. My main focus of my life is to get my children back or to protect my children. When Shamgars and Deborahs arises in every Christian home, every, you know what, there will be a transformation that takes place. It will be an unstoppable power of God moving. See, we are always looking to the top, to the president, to the prime minister change. God says, no. I never look up. I look down. I look for, where is this one man? One man. And it doesn't matter who it is. One man, one woman whose heart is stayed on me. And his heart is stayed for the right purpose. He understands what is value. And it doesn't matter how many times we speak about it. Jesus said, what is the whole point? You gain the whole world and lose your soul. I mean, people think I'm anti-education. No, I'm a quite an educated person. And I read all the time. But if your education is not tuned towards saving souls, then what is the point of education? If it is only aimed at acquiring money and not acquiring souls, then where does it, where does it end? What is the point of education? That's why we teach our children to value stuff. But what is the whole purpose of it? To save souls. And not that you go need to go out and preach. You understand fundamentally. You know what? God gave me this. This is my purpose. I understand my purpose. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take my stand. I'm going to use it for God's glory. I'm going to fight the devil. And I'm going to do everything that I can. And that's all you have to do. You will also get the crown that is for you. And your crown will be no lesser than the greatest conqueror in the world. It does not matter. It will be the same crown. Because God is not looking at what he did and what you did. He's looking at you. Did you do what I called you to do? Were you faithful? That's all. And what happens in the church? We are always looking at other people. I wish I was like that. I wish I was. God says, no, you don't have to. You don't have to. You just have to be what you are. And use what you have. And I will start maximizing the potential of what you have. So Shamgars have to. So we go back to that final verse again. Job, Judges 3 and verse 31. After him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goad. And what does it say? And he also delivered Israel. You know, he also. So it doesn't matter who you are and what you have. You also can deliver your home, your people, God's people. You also can be a deliverer. You also can be a deliverer. Because the same God, the same God, that's all it takes. Whatever you are, you know, Whatever you are. It's not your profession that matters. It's what you do with it. It's what matters. Are you bringing deliverance? 
You can be a lawyer. Are you bringing deliverance? You can be a doctor. Are you bringing deliverance? You can be a teacher. Can you be a deliverer? That's what I loved about my teaching in the secular thing. And it was English. And every class, because you could not speak the Bible, you could not preach the Bible, but that is all I did one way or other, <laughs> without mentioning. Could always give the principles of the gospel through. Always could. And before I left, I baptized my students. They got saved, and I baptized them. That was why I was there. The purpose was that. Not to teach them Shakespeare. God opened a door, I taught them Shakespeare. And I wasn't a bad teacher, because all the other English teachers came and sat, sat, stood outside my door to listen to how I was teaching, because the word had spread, the new teacher has come. And he really teaches Shakespeare. But I wasn't teaching Shakespeare. I was teaching Christ. Through Shakespeare, without mentioning Christ. You know, because what is the whole point? The whole point is that, you know, you have to give them something which is eternal. So you are a doctor. Yes. You are an engineer. Yes. These are all professions in the Bible. God is a physician. Yesterday, two days ago, when the lawyer was over here, immediately what the Spirit told him, tell him there are two advocates, one on earth and one in heaven. One is the Holy Spirit is an advocate and Jesus is an advocate. Yours is a noble profession as long as you use it for noble causes. Every profession is by God. And there is something you can use it to bring glory to God. And you have to be a sham girl. Take your stand. So this morning as we pray, come on, as we pray, we are fighting for the greatest cause on earth. As David said, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? We've been given something, the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is full of homes. We are fighting for homes. Remember Nehemiah. You see, the, the, the message is the same. What did Nehemiah say? Fight for your children. Fight for your homes, for your children, your wives, your brethren. Fight for your homes. Stand in the gap and fight. That's what we are fighting for. Yes. Village life ceased. We, would, we need to understand what it means. It's gone. The normal home life has ceased. You know why? The Philistines have come and taken away. And that's what has happened. The Philistines have entered into our homes. And they have taken away. There's no life in the homes. There's, there's no home life. There's no home life. What do children do? Study, 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 study. Or TV, TV, TV. Gadget, 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 gadget. There's no home life. It ceased. Nobody is, that's what it means. Nobody is going on the highways. Nobody is out on the streets. Everybody is scared the Philistines will come. But they said the Philistines came in through the back door. And they just stole away the home. What has been lost in the in the world is the home has gone. There's not hardly any homes. Where can you go? Homes. Where can you find and say, you know what? I like being at home. Find me. Find me two people, three people, four people in my church itself. Find me five people in the church who says, you know what? I'm waiting to go home. I love being at home. Find me five people who can say that. We need to look, just search our own hearts. What has happened? What has happened? What has the devil destroyed? He has destroyed the homes. You know why? Because he knows God loves the home. That's what he's building. And Lord is building a home. And that city of God is a big home. It's a big, huge home. Because we are in the spirit, nothing divides us, separates us. We'll be able to move around freely, but it is a home. We all need to ask ourselves, what are we building? Church, what have we been trying to build? We've been trying to build a home. 
We didn't want to build a church, an institution. We wanted to build a home where people could say, this is my home. I feel comfortable. Like I say, said on Sunday, the children have a blast on Sunday. They are so happy. You have to see how many little ones come and try to say, because mommy will be planning something else and they want to come with us to Jesus have a blast. For them, church is the home. More than their home. Parents want to go shopping. Children want to stay here. They don't want to. Right? Think about it. What is church? What is church? It's a home. Home. It's a home. And what is our home? Is it a home? Or is it a morgue? You know what a morgue is? That's where dead bodies are kept. Ask ourselves. So at the end of the day, God will ask, what did you build? What did you build? What did you build? Because what happens is when we go out into the world for things, we need things. We go after things at the cost of our home. Then it doesn't matter how successful we are. In God's eyes, we are failures. Shamgar is not a failure. That one line, that one line in that Bible is so powerful because he was fighting for his home. You read Judges 5, you see the state of affairs in that nation. Palestinians have overrun. You know, she talks about it, right? It doesn't say he judged. It doesn't say how much peace was, rest was. Nothing is mentioned. All we know that his home had rest and the land had no rest. The Philistine wouldn't dare cross his threshold. He kept peace in his turf. Everything had ceased everywhere. Because Jabin was ruling. Sisera was there. 900 chariots of iron. Everything is there. It's there, the whole record. But you know what? No chariot entered into his turf. Sisera did not come into his house. They all left him alone because he said, Not my line. And all he had was an ox god. And all that we need is that. All with that is, is, is needed that. You know? And that's all God is asking us. We don't have to dream about big ministries and all. Just what God has given you, protect it. Then God will start a movement from there. Amen? Shall we pray? Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. And I know, Lord, I am speaking to so many people around the world, Lord. Don't look to your left and right. Don't look at big churches and big ministries and big successful careers and all that. None of this are irrelevant. That is not the yardstick. They are not the ones who will judge you. One day we will stand before God. And everything we need to be successful in God's sight, we already have. We don't have to ask. We already have it. Only thing we haven't seen it. Or if we have seen it, we ignore it. We cast it aside because it's irrelevant. Forty years Moses walked in the wilderness without knowing what he needed to deliver. Israel was already in his hand. For forty years he did not recognize it because he had not it cast it before the Lord. When he cast it before the Lord, the natural became the supernatural. Forty years he walked in ignorance, not knowing. All he needed to deliver Israel was already in his hand. All he needed was to give it to God. And God would give it back to him. And all people need 
to fulfill God's purpose in their lives is already with them. All they have it is to give it to God. And God will give it back. And will say, in my name, go now. I pray, Father, touch somebody. Open somebody's eyes that they may see what is that they have. An ox goat, the jawbone of a donkey, a hammer, a slingshot, one sword against an army. We go through the word, Lord, and we see the victory God did. That's why your word says it's not by might, nor by power, it's by your spirit. But before your spirit could move, one man had to stand. All Jesus had was one body and his blood. And that was enough. A body you have prepared for me, you said. And he gave his body to his father on the cross. And he shed his blood. And that was enough. Nothing more. That was enough. To save all of mankind. If they are willing to come. The father didn't demand anything more from him. That's all he needed. That's all God is asking from us. Men and women. Fathers and mothers. Young and old. What is that you have? Would you give it over to God? And say, Lord, I take a stand today. I take a stand today, Lord. What I have, I will use it. What I have, I will use it to the best of my ability. I know your spirit will empower me. And he will stretch me. Stretch me. And stretch me. For this is the year of stretching. This is the year of enlargement. Your five loaves can feed 15,000. A little flour and oil will never run out. During the three years of famine. Because she took a stand. And gave it to the prophet first. Pray, Father, today. People will believe. People who have been told you are too small to be used. You are too little to be used. Too uneducated to be used. Too weak to be used. You have no name. You have no power. You have no money. But God says, what you have is enough. Do you remember my church, Philadelphia? They were the only church that had an open door. Even Caesar couldn't shut that door. Yet they had very little strength. All the might of Caesar couldn't close that door. Because God kept that door open for them. Today pray Lord faith will arise. Faith will arise. And we will start building once again from the block. Homes and churches. And nations will change.